check one, check two. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour with your host, me, Rob Cantrell. Oh man, I have an exciting episode. I am, I am quarantined up. I got a corn husk cup of coffee here. I got my friend zoomed out. Uh, I'm going to introduce my friend. I'm excited about a uh, great comedian, great friend. He's been on Conan O'Brien. He's been on the uh, Tonight Show. He has a new album called AKA. Um, and he tours the world. And he just did an Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is a big festival out in Edinburgh. Give it up for Mike Kaplan, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Mike, Mike, uh, Mike! Oh shit, it's Mike Kaplan! Yeah! Wow! Oh my god! You know, doing doing so many shows over Zoom these days, like you, you, I've forgotten what it's like to have such a an audience reaction there. That you you provided full service. I like you're like that you introduced yourself as. Uh, your host, me, and then also every, everyone else. You're you're a like a, a one man band. You're the band and the audience. And uh, I hardly even need to be here, but I'm very happy oh, to be here. No, no, I was excited <laughs> about this. Uh, no, Mike, I've been doing this. This is the seventy second episode, and I really went the kind of the Bill Burr route of just doing my own, just knocking it out on a lavalier mic. Uh, with my phone and I've just built up and I never let it go. But just now I'm starting to line up guests and you're, uh, I, don't, I would say like my fifth or sixth guest, but uh, one of the more interesting, I mean, and they're all interesting. I'm trying to hype you up, but you are very <laughs> interesting. And we always have great conversations when we get together and we've been around about the same amount of time in comedy. And it's just cool to talk to one of my peers that's uh, kind of doing the whole oh. gig. But sometimes, yeah. yeah, a lot of times we don't even talk comedy. We go in, you know, we go, we get out there. Oh, for sure. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate the hype, the, uh, you know, you're not trying to blow smoke up anyone's ass. You're not trying to, you're not saying that I'm the greatest guest that ever could because everyone is unique and a snowflake and a beautiful flower blooming in their own way. But it's nice. I feel, I feel a kinship in the idea of like, oh, wow. Like you're, you, you know, way I like to say things is like, no one is better. No one is funnier because that could mean that everyone's tied like you're you're at the top of your game and of being you and i'm at the top of my game of being me and that doesn't mean that any of any of your other guests they're all interesting in their own ways you go in any direction and you're you're winning that race because everyone else is going in their own direction yeah and with other people it's like different energies it's like uh cinnamon toast crunch you know you're like what <laughs> this is cinnamon this is toast but you put it together and then kablamo you know you got it and then you make it a cereal and it's a whole other thing going on you're right like i don't i never eat cinnamon just by itself that wouldn't be a good thing to do i mean you can do it if you want to but i haven't done that and then toast by itself is fine but certainly i also don't frequently do that but definitely i'm just i read i reiterate i'm i'm now i'm your hype man i'm like yeah yeah cinnamon toast yeah i'm, I'm getting off of your stuff though too you can break down every essence so i just went into cinnamon toast crunch but I was just trying to think of like combining elements make something different. 
A plus B equals, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, my first question is, my, I mean, I don't want to go into it. I've, I've talked about this before with you, but you are very smart, I would say. I don't know. It's hard to say what smart is <laughs> academically. Just because I have known super academic people that I don't deem, I don't know, with it at all. Um, but at the same time, you're very, you, you're with it, you're street savvy, but I, I'm guessing, I'm going to guess your SAT score. Can I guess oh, your please. SAT score? I okay. love it. Okay, we're going, okay. Okay, I think the first time you took it, you got 1190. And then the second time you took it, 12, you, you broke 12. You definitely broke 12. We're talking 1250 <laughs> in the math. I don't know. Your verbal skills are pretty good, too, because you love words. You treat words a lot like math. What was your SAT score, Mike Kaplan? This is this is delightful. Number one, I mean, I think you you have a victory already in that you knew that I took it more than once. Like, I didn't tell you that. That was all an intuitive, beautiful guess that, like, whatever. I didn't get 1,600 the first time. I didn't get 1,600 the second time. But uh, I believe the first time I got 1,360, and then the second time I got 1,480, which was, I think, a— a 780 math and a 700 verbal. While I do love words at the time, like the reading comprehension was, you know, I was I was good, but that was that was the. It wasn't like math didn't help you when trying to read a paragraph and tell people what it was about. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I, I. So yes, your to answer your question, which isn't. I mean, to answer your statement, I did do well in school. Holy shit, and, dude! That was a lot more. I forgot it went up to sixteen hundred. I thought it topped oh, sure. out at thirteen. You, <laughs> you crushed that. Did you take the Princeton review? Uh you know, I don't. I actually don't remember. I don't think I did. I know that in college, I went to grad school. And so to go to grad school, I took the GRE. And for that, I I got a uh, like a, a, a study guide. Like I didn't have a tutor, but I got like a book. I learned like 400 new words that I didn't know for the vocabulary section. I think maybe three of them turned up on the test. So I was like, well, that's slightly better. I ended up going to a place I wanted to. So it, it's funny, like now I'm like, uh, like any test that you worried about growing up, any any activity in school, anything like that, it's the impact that it had, like the ripples don't reach here. I mean, you know, it's part of who you are. No, but, 100%, dude. Um, can I say one other thing? Yes, go, 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 gadget. Uh, when I started doing <laughs> comedy, when I started doing comedy, uh, I, ha I was in grad school getting a degree in linguistics, which I loved, and I remember going out and performing, and I had some, I had like a silly joke about uh, getting a master's and how a master's was better than a doctorate. You know, technically speaking, a doctorate takes a lot more schooling and study and a, uh, you know, a PhD, a dissertation. Uh, and so I was just getting a master's degree that you could, you could finish it in one year or two years, uh, but I was on stage saying, like, uh, I'm getting a master's. Master is better than doctor. I mean, think about it. Do you want to be a ninja master or a ninja doctor? That's not even a thing. Or like He-Man and the doctors of the universe. Those aren't a thing. And 
an older comedian sort of took me aside one night that we were performing in like the suburbs, like, you know, somewhere within an hour or so of Boston where I was in school. And he, he was like, Mike, like, you know, I wasn't a great, I wasn't a great comedian at the time. Like some of my jokes were, they were fine, you know, but I wasn't the performer that I would be eventually. And he said to me, Mike, you know, a lot of these people might not uh, have like the same context of understanding as you do. Like they a lot of them probably didn't go to grad school. Who knows how many people went to college? And that was sort of like, I, you know, I grew up quote unquote smart, but I was like, oh, I didn't even understand that 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 I might not be that I might be making people feel away by like, cause, so I feel like it's been a conscious effort from that point on to be like, I I'm not I don't want to apologize for you know, caring about what I care about or knowing what I know or being who I am. And I also don't want to shame anyone. Like we all have, you know, we're all geniuses of our own experience. And that's, that's what I, I just want to share, uh, you know, the things that I am and care and do. And, uh, so I appreciate your, the thing that you see now is, uh, has been a work and continues to be in progress. Yes. Yeah, doing a master's degree, that's highly academic. Doctorate is highly academic. I don't even know if they do SAT stores. I think the whole idea of college, with this quarantine, the whole thing of life, the whole thing of society is going to get reexamined going forward as we oh, yeah. dance with technology. You and I are talking through computers in our sweatpants right now. They call <laughs> it a job. And, uh, but it's also fascinating that i think just for you mike i'm a huge fan you've always been super nice to me and kind to me and i do see that i'm like oh this guy's smarter than most comics and i think stand-up comedy did that uh, did something good for you that it may i don't know it hum did it humble you in a lot of ways 100 percent. like i mean i think that so many yeah your ass. my mom would levitate <laughs> if i brought home a 1500 on the sat i got 800 <laughs> the first time got screamed out chased out with a frying pan went to <laughs> took the lsa i mean i took the uh princeton review and uh i got it up i broke a thousand i think i got 1100 was the final joint and Great. it got me into you know it got me into a decent school it was you know it was just good enough to be good, Denison University, uh, but it wasn't like UVA or some of these other big top schools in my area. Uh, you, of course, I mean, here's to, one thing that you said that I wanna, this is a funny thing. Uh, you mentioned the idea that we're, we're I love dancing with technology. I love, you're you're a poet and that's beautiful. And you said we're, we're both, you know, in our homes, on our computers, in our sweatpants. Here is one of the things that I've been doing during this quarantine that uh, doesn't, on one level, doesn't make sense. And on another other level has helped me is I'm actually wearing like work, like, pants that are like real pants like you can't see them they're not on camera but i i think i it i don't even i i don't know where i got it from like i know other people like maybe recommended it or doing like being like hey instead of just pajamas all day instead of just sleeping but instead of just one timeless blob that is all time that you only know when the sun comes up or down like oh i guess it's different now they're like you know i wake up and then before I do an, like, this is an official thing. This is work. For, I mean, this is a joy, a pleasure. And also uh, comedy is our job comedy. So this, this is a, this is a, a working pleasure, a pleasurable working experience. So 
I put on my pants and they're they're my work pants in that they are slightly uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, they they look good, they feel like work, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, ah, back into the sweatpants. But uh, to the point of uh, intelligence and comedy, like there's so many types of intelligence. Like not only, of course, like you know, Michael Jordan was a genius of basketball. There's physical intelligence. There's uh, there's interpersonal intelligence. There's logical, mathematical intelligence, musical intelligence. You know, there's exactly. And I didn't even know about all those things. Like when I met comedians, and I met so many. Like there's so many wise comedians and smart comedians, and never went to college. Exactly. Like, I think Carlin didn't. I think yeah. Stanhope might not have. Like, I think. Yeah, and he's one of the so, smarter cats. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember him saying once, he's like, I think I'm dumb and I think I'm smarter than 95% of the people out there. And, uh, I, I, I love. He's like a. He's like a Zen master. It's like a koan. It's like, oh, smart. I mean, so. Yeah, Mitch smart. didn't go to college either. Yeah. Orange and, Barker. A lot of those, the generation above us didn't go to college like a lot of those guys um like arch barker i know never went to college mitch never went to college their college was the road you know and that's in a way i mean that is smart of its own kind that is certainly uh there's so many people in college debt because uh they followed the same way you know in uh, yeah, have you heard of our the generation yeah. I, I couldn't even fathom not going to college like that was like you gotta go to yeah. college. You go to college. You're gonna be homeless if you don't go to college. You gotta go to college. I don't care what college it is. You gotta go to college. And and eventually now there's people like oh like if you didn't go to college you're like well I'm a little bit ahead in the uh, in the debt department. You could probably afford a house easier if you didn't go to college than some people who did go to college uh, due to your credit rating. But it, it That's exactly the weird like you thing, said like like all the millionaires <laughs> that I know like most of the millionaires I know didn't go to college. Mm. It's uh, Tracy Morgan's the smartest dude I know, and he dropped out. I mean, not the smartest, but the richest dude I know, and he dropped out in the 10th grade, you know, just like. And and even that that like sort of slip of the tongue right there, that Freudian slip of make meaning to say richest. And you said smartest, like in our society, we we view financial success as like all successes as one when they're all different. Like the idea of like, let's say, emotional, romantic success. There's that, you know, the what is it called? The relationship escalator where, you know, in a heteronormative culture where like you date. You get exclusive, you get engaged, maybe you move in, you get married, you have kids, you retire, you die. It's just a one-way path. And the, that was presented to me. And eventually you learn, like, oh, there's way different ways of doing that. You All of those things don't have to happen in that order or at all or with those types of people. And similarly, uh, like the school, the educational escalator is like, oh, you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job. And it's all geared towards this, you know, capitalist success and of uh, the money can't be money isn't the thing money isn't a thing money is only you know an intermediary thing that hopefully helps you uh do the things that you want to do like have you know have a home have clothing have food uh and then have a entertainment enjoyment options but like the money itself like you know it's become revered in such a way and then so people like tracy morgan's like whoa what a what a great way to find a path, you know, the, to find a path by being yourself that then you can get to uh, live off the monetization of. 
Yeah, and I think it's abundance. You know, I think it's uh, when you are your when you are yourself, you're giving off almost an, an instant. You're invincible. You know, you're almost <laughs> like I don't care what good, bad, or whatever you say to me. I'm you know I'm going to this place, and people like that vibe. And so you might get paid uh, for that. I mean, I think things <laughs> good things if. You know, if you're funny in your field, he's just super funny in his field, and he rose to a thing, and the truck helped too. But oh. uh, <laughs> uh, but I I just always find it fascinating. The older I get, and I look around, like yeah, all these all these kind of systems are being definitely questioned now, a hundred percent. Especially you know, this is the cannabis coffee hour, and I've been going ever since comedy kind of dropped stand up with the COVID right now. You know, I've been talking to people and they're like, dude, cannabis is going up. Um, you got to you got to stake your claim. You got to get out there and do it because I was preaching, you know, to the masses. But I think there's always been the stoner comic. But I always was just like, I really think for this country, the legalization of cannabis is going to m- push us in more of an organic uh, way. It's going to push us more in, into an empathy way a more kinder way it's not about the money is the only thing because cannabis does you know it can make you not as ambitious or i don't know it's 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 uh i juggle with these thoughts and i think about these thoughts but i know you're not really a uh, pot smoker at all but you do like mushrooms and you've been very open about your psychedelic experiences which is the same thing if you ingest cannabis you can get to these open doors of consciousness, which I think a lot of this stuff is. Yeah, can I tell you, uh, during the these these last weeks of quarantine, I discovered that I had in my freezer some like vegan chocolate pot edibles. And uh, I, I do prefer an edible experience to a smoking experience, just like viscerally like smoke in my lungs feels I'm like, oh, my body's on fire. That's not, uh, I, I try to like stop, drop and roll, but it's inside me. Yeah, but, it's an odd concept. But for an edible, if I know how much is in it and like what the dose is and what type it is, you know, that's the thing. Like if the more information that you have, like if you know the the genre of high that you like to get and or you, like I used to, it used to just zonk me out whenever I would smoke at a party with people because I didn't know how much to smoke and it, then I was like, what is happening? And it does a thing to my brain. But now, like maybe once a week throughout these last several weeks, I have eaten like a half of one of these edibles. And then I'll just like lie down and like feel my body in a way. And I'll like listen to music. I, li- I listened to Sufjan Stevens's new album the other day. And it was so beautiful. I listened to Childish Gambino's new album a couple weeks ago. And it was beautiful. And Isn't I, like, that wild? Few... Donald Glover is this oh. huge artist. And he does put out out amazing music it, and it I, I did so shows cool. with them like i literally i'm not trying to brag mike i'm i sure. just need to put it i need just need it documented that we knew donald glover as a stand-up i knew him as a Same. young i think we uh, we both came to 2005 i came to the city and 2008 this, eight for me and he was around doing shows yeah. he was around doing shows this young guy and he got that writing thing but in the beginning he did sketch and he did stand up and I did, I think it was 2006 or seven, but I did a Montreal audition with him, right? 
with him at comics yeah. and we we were friends. He liked me and we were into it. I rapped. He wasn't rapping yet. Ah. <laughs> I rapped. I had my beat machine and I rapped and he did stand up that night and it was right That's... before his album. I, I, my first DM on Twitter is Donald Glover asking me to give him a verse. Wow. And then I DM'd him back because he's a lot younger. Same thing with Eric Andre. Eric Andre blew up and he was a really good friend, but he was a lot younger. So the, the, I wasn't getting back to these dudes that fast, you know? Ah. I I never, you know, and but I'm still friends. It wasn't ever blow off, but it was like, uh, yeah, I guess, you know? So he sent me something and then my DM back to him was, hey, I want to do a song about frogs. Let's rap about frogs. And uh, he never got back to me. <laughs> and that... then he became one of the biggest, you know, selling musical artists right now you know that Redbone song is ridiculous and then the one that was the political shooting thing that he was did that was oh like, yeah this is america this is america yeah. was just like whoa just mind-blowing oh, artistically off the chain yeah listen to the newest one i think it's just named for the date it came out like a date in march and all most of the tracks are just like the track number or the track like time info and it's just like kind of just one cohesive like long cool jam and so i listened to that and it's funny i talked to my girlfriend who doesn't do a lot of uh pot or edible anything like and the way that i listen to music and the way that i feel my body and the way that i engage while i am under the influence of an edible like that to describe it to her i'm like oh my legs are like kind of pulsating there's like sort of like something going through them it's hard to describe and she's like i think i feel like that all of the time and i think you could too if you just put you know like awareness you know go to the awareness in your legs like be you know kind of mindful and meditative and i do meditate and when i do that so i can be like oh yeah my leg my leg my arm my like oh my head my parts but when the, the thing that pot helps me do is not even have to be intentional about it the pot's just like i'll take it from here like i'll be your your meditative guide in this and so that makes sense why whenever i would do it at a party uh it's like it, it's like chill out and relax you know and like fall asleep in this couch and just shrink into your background and just be a part of everything whereas and i get that with mushrooms is just such a different thing than pot where i'm like oh i get this i knew kind of from the first time i did it that it was uh, a sacred thing or could be a sacred thing for me even if i was at a party that's the weird thing is like i could do it and then have the experience in me and be like oh i i'm in the world here this is all like mushrooms strange like focuses me like it like eliminates various noise and pot kind of i don't know what what it is that's happening but it, it relaxes me more so i'm not as focused and and then whatever then it's nice to just have music and uh, and cushions but uh but yeah so i have more, it does I've, go well with music it's uh you know i don't think it's with any of the stuff like i think your girl's right i think everything's is the brain but i think through conformity and just you know all of the violence through our history has scared so much of it away that uh that i do think these are just doors that kind of open it up a little bit but i do oh, think yeah. that those doors are there and you could figure it out 
by meditating or just being aware, but there is something with music and cannabis that I do find, uh, yeah, it just, there is a certain strain of weed that's just rapper weed. You just want to start <laughs> rapping it as soon as you smoke it. But oh, then yeah. there's a, you know, it's just, I do music. You're a musician. And my whole yes. thing with music is like, it's such, and I'm trying to play guitar, um, but it's like you're playing with the energy, you know, everything's energy and music's a way of just like being able to put your finger in the energy and kind of swirl it around and like make your own painting with this, whatever this now is, it, you know, music, you know, it's just this essence of quietness, you know, it's literally nothing, you know, it's the void. And yeah. what music is, is like, okay, void. <laughs> let me just play with you. Let me let me make this, you know, star spangled banner in the sky, you know? I mean, let me just like ah. ah, you know, and you or you make something really angry like this, or you make something nice and soft like this. You know, it's a way of playing with the energy. That's what I've always found with music. Uh and the cannabis kind of links into that. It helps me kind of link into that mode. Oh yeah. I uh so I've been playing music. Uh, musical instruments since I was four. My parents were both music teachers, and so I played the violin originally and uh, then taught myself guitar. And so I've always, like, felt more and identified more as a, like, a sound person than a sight person. Like, even, like, here's the thing that happened the other day. Like, my, my girlfriend changed clothes and came to bed, and I was like, oh, what's this shirt that you're wearing? And she's like, oh, this is the shirt that I've been wearing all day. I just changed my pants, not my shirt. And I was like, wow, I just noticed the shirt because I knew she had changed something, but clearly I hadn't been paying attention to the visuals. Or I'll be like, oh, what's this? Like, oh, that's been there for a while. Oh, like, she is all about, she's a... Uh, attuned to all the senses and particularly more the visual than me. She read a book called Visual Intelligence that really changed her life that I'm going to read and then maybe I'll be just like her. But for now, I'm like a sound person, even performing. Like, I don't look at the audience necessarily. Like, I listen. And like, if there are sound, you know, somebody says something or if there's a noise in a place, I'll get like more of the vibe, but audio style. And if something, if a visual thing happens, I'll look at it. Like, I definitely am using my field of vision, but I'm like, first and foremost, sound. I wrote a joke long ago that I like. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I like that joke. I'll, I'll tell you about this. I don't want to tell a joke, but I want to tell you about this joke that when you were talking about, you know, kind of, you know, painting with the, the sound and creating this, you know, thing out of nothing, it you know, reminded me of like the, uh, the let there be light, like, oh, light to see the very first thing. But even sound actually is underrated because even before there was light, even to say let there be, there had to be sound. There was sound before there was light. If you accept that chronological, it could have just been light and it was spoken in light. But for our context, as human beings who have, you know, speech and audio and visual and and time and chronology is all these separate things. Like, I mean, sound is it's such a beautiful communion with like the the literal vibrations of reality. It is. It is. I, I, I meditate to music sometimes, but sometimes I also enjoy the quiet. You know, I do enjoy like especially we live in the city. 
and there's so much and I do I consume music I blat my wife looks at me because I'm always got some YouTube video on I pump ridiculous amounts of hip-hop I listen to jam band shit I listen to metal I'll watch punk stuff like I just you know YouTube has been something fascinating for a guy who's 47 like I always was like dude when I was young I was like I'm gonna get rich and then I'm gonna have this massive vcr library of all these concerts <laughs> and now it's like dude you you got that on your phone right now like and now people are live streaming concerts and you can watch live streams go on it's just a it really is as much as things are crazy it's a beautiful time for the arts you know in terms of making art and throwing it out there yeah, it's it's like uh, when they had the first computer, it filled a room, and they're like, wow, imagine how much bigger and bigger computers are going to get. And now, you know, the microchip gets smaller and smaller, and there's like, you know, thing, there's robots that we can't even see. There's nanobots so small that we're like, we just have to have faith that it's even there. And like, yeah, and the capacity for, like, I used to be, a completist, I would say. And, you know, like, I want to watch all of the shows that I like, all the good shows and listen to all the best music and all the best podcasts. And they keep inventing new technologies to transmit, you know, the same, like, just different people, uh, you know, being a conduit for the universe in their own artistic way. Like, Rumi, the poet, uh, said that we're all these, like, flutes, all these flutes that the universe plays its sound through. And we're all different size and shape flute so it all comes out some people as music some people as painting some people as art some people as comedy and it's uh and you can't do everything in one one physical incarnation like you could put on all you can't like you couldn't watch everything on youtube if you wanted to you would need uh, as many screens and you couldn't you'd be like, uh, you know it'd be so it's that's a valuable thing for me like once netflix came out i was like oh i guess i can't watch everything so what am I doing? How am I spending my time? And that uh, same as you, like I do value like some, you wouldn't know it to hear me on a podcast or uh, in my comedy, but, or even with my girlfriend at home, but I do sometimes value quiet. And, uh, and I've, that's something that I've learned from my girlfriend because she, like I'm a little more extroverted than she is. And so sometimes she will want and need, especially in these times we're negotiating, like, you know, we have uh, a one bedroom. So sometimes one of us is in the bedroom and the other is in the living room. Sometimes we're in the same place, but sometimes like I was doing a show the other night from the bedroom and she was in the other room with a door closed and with noise canceling headphones and she could still hear me and after i came out and she had maybe a little bit of a headache and so she was like you have a booming voice that is great for what you do for your comedy for your art and i was like oh you have a you have a headache okay and so the next show i did i was like we're gonna do like an asmr show for this one because my girlfriend has a headache so this way can i can i be funny if i'm quiet and so i'm like learning it's so funny because my same, girlfriend dude. i'm going through she... the same thing i got a wife and kid in the other room right now so it's like but i need to knock these podcasts out and i love zooming i like doing this but oh, yes. uh we we you know we come from stand-up and i definitely always went loud <laughs> you know I, I you know i a lot of it was just screaming into the void you know and that's i wanted to be heard i wanted to be seen that's what everybody every artist wants and so yeah i always played with the volume but there is powerful there is 
something powerful about being quiet. Well, that's the, it's funny. I used to have a joke about the idea, you know, the concept of, you know, jazz, they say is about the notes that you don't play yeah. uh, rather than the notes that you do play. And it's funny. She was saying to me, uh, well, your comedy is like, but just a constant stream of like, doop, 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 doop. Like, you know, there's not as many rests in, in my comedy, but uh, also uh, there's, there's rest when I stop. Yeah, but I do think that it, you know, I do see comedy and music as rhythms. You know, it's it, you're you're it's time. You know, as oh, yeah. a drummer does time, and stand up. I mean, long form improv's a whole other thing. But with stand up, it's a, it's this or some people's. You know, you know, it's it, it is a rhythm. It is a it is a thing. And you come from Boston in New York, and it. And it's relentless, you know, they don't give you time to breathe. And it's good to make good comedy because it makes you stronger as a joke writer and quicker and faster. But when I started in San Francisco, it, the rhythm is on another, you know, it's a different rhythm. It's a different style because people, there's more space. There's people who are more relaxed. It's not, oh my God, I gotta go get a pizza and make a million dollars. You know, it's a... Uh, <laughs> It's more of like, yo, I gotta go, make, gotta go trim some weed and go see the Grateful Dead. My dad works ah. for the Grateful Dead, uh, and then the computer guys, and it's just big rolling hills and space and time. So I do think like you're you you don't have, you never were loud, but you do go pop 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 pop. I mean, you drum when you do stand up, your your beat is going, and you never get off the beat. Um, whereas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just playing with the energy. Maybe you can play with the silence, you know, in certain times. Oh, for sure. I uh, first, I want to say I love the your impression of New York as uh, I gotta get a pizza and make a million dollars. That's a, a beautiful. <laughs> it's what what a perfect encapsulation of the the attitude of this city that we live in and love. Uh, but it makes and... me better. I can't dog it, but it does hurt my soul sometimes because there's a part of me that just wants to lay in the grass and play guitar, you know? There's a part of me that does want to just watch the clouds go by. And there's no reason why I can't do that. But there was something in my soul that was like, you got to do stand-up comedy. Uh, do you know you know what uh, what I've been doing? This will, I think, sound like a non sequitur, but I'm going to hope that I connect it. Uh, to my right, uh, right over there, is uh, uh, two bookshelves and they're like, they've been chock full of books. Like I've bought so many books and they're mostly books that I, some books that I love and have read and then so many books that I haven't read but want to read, plan to read, hope to read, want to want to read. And my girlfriend loves minimism, mi minimalism. She loves minimism, let's even get the L I was gonna there. ask that about <laughs> you, I thought, yeah. Um, and, but I, and I also, I, re, it's, I revere it. There's a thing that Niels Bohr, the scientist, the, uh, the physicist once said that the opposite of a small truth is a lie, but the opposite of a profound truth is often another profound truth. So like, I want to connect to everything. And also like, you know, the, the Buddhist ideal of like emptiness and nothingness, you know, like an empty cup, a cup can only be filled if it's not solid. You know, if the, a cup didn't have its emptiness, then it wouldn't function as a cup. And similarly, we've been getting rid of some books, like piling books in stacks and being like, 
am I going to read this really? Like, am I excited? Am I the most excited? Like, what if I have if I have 500 books, like how many of them I'm am? Do I really realistically think I'm going to read? And I'm like taking the ones out that I'm like, yeah, maybe not this one. Probably I hoped that I would. This seemed I'd love to know this stuff, but I'm not. Honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to read all of these books by the Dalai Lama. I'm going to keep one book or two books by the Dalai Lama and yeah. hope to get to it. And this is all to say, like, by take by, you know, removing these things, it allows the ones that are there to be like to be seen and to to blossom. And similarly, like living in New York, where there's everything, all the art, all the music, all the drama, all the people, all the opportunities, all the comedy, all the things We're like, oh, God, like you could be going every minute and you can't you can't watch all of Netflix or YouTube. You can't experience all of New York. But being here, you see other people doing all of what they're doing. And we're like, oh. Well, I, I want to be doing what I'm doing. I want to be, you know, working as much as possible and doing as much as possible, uh, if not as much as possible in quantity and quality, certainly. And then sometimes the quality of life does involve, you know, it's taking a step back and making space on the shelf for lying on the grass and watching the clouds to go by. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have that same stack of books. And I do think <laughs> I was going to ask you about minimalism and just like, Having less is like having more, you know, there's just that thing of like, yes, and you can't really attach yourself to anything. You do need like shelter and warmth and you need stuff. But at the same time, the older I get, the more I want to remove it because I'm like, yeah, this could all end tomorrow. And I just don't want to be bogged down with all this bullshit. You know, I just, you know, I like me. I like my body. I like experiencing what's going on here. And if I have. But I do like looking at having some books. But yeah, you got to get rid of stuff. You just sort it out and got to get rid of stuff. There's one book that uh, that my girlfriend and also my friend Zach ha have both read and found extremely valuable. And it's on this subject. It's called Goodbye Things. And it's just a guy who talks about his journey from he shows like a before picture, his massively cluttered, you know, just completely chock full of things apartment and then the after picture and then he shows you how he got there and it's like he doesn't even have a bed he just has this bed roll that he rolls up during the day and it's just an empty room and he has you know a, a closet with you know the bare essentials of clothing and things that he needs and you know maybe a book i don't know how he how he reads or where or when or what but uh that it by getting rid of those things for this person and for my girlfriend and for my friend and for me at times like when you like having space doesn't mean that the, like, it's you you're filled with with potential with space with peace with calm with uh with so much possibility and then the things that you do have become so much more valuable yeah, it's the same thing with your refrigerator. You know, if you just stock it full of groceries, you don't really, then you never make that cool, di you're not forced to make, okay, I got these three things or five things. How can I make, how can I really make this something that's going to be satisfying to eat? And it push, it kind of makes you, when you have everything, the more you have, and that's what I talk about cannabis is like, the more you smoke is like the least high you get. If you don't, if you keep, that's what's kind of cool about it. It's this weird equation. Like if you mm. are one of those cats that can just hit it like once in a while, you're gonna get way much higher. You're gonna go, you can go into outer <laughs> space, my man. You're gonna go to Mars and Jupiter if you could do it once a month. But if you're doing it all day, every day, it goes down and down. I've been, I mean, 
I've been, my new thing about, I, I, I want to talk about spirituality. We're at 40 minutes right now. Oh, just gonna, we great. can wrap it, we can go strong, but we'll go, we'll go heavy and deep here for a second. But uh, I, I have been reading Lao Tzu, which is mm-hmm. uh, Lao Tzu, the, the way. Uh, you know, Taoism, right? Taoism, just like even older than than some of the uh, Tibetan stuff. Like it's like supposedly the oldest, and it's. Uh, but he does say something about like if you sharpen a knife, if you keep on sharpening it, it'll eventually get dull. You know, and oh yeah, and I think about that, and then he also is like, just through the whole concept of having less you are more gratified with like some of the things you have. Like, I'm not saying, you know, you don't have to be starving and poor in the street, but I guess what I was trying to, I, that kind of stuck with me in with stand up because I have been doing it since 99. And if you do, you do see it in New York. If you go too hard, I kind of like not doing it right now. Cause I think I just been sharpening my sword to a point where it's gotten dull, you know, <laughs> and I like taking a step back. And then you resharpen, but I think that's the way. I don't think this constant, and I think in a way, maybe some of the COVID stuff is like the universe being like, yo, you guys got to fucking chill. You know, you guys are crushing it on the plastic right now. There's a gazillion glad bags. I mean, I still use glad, I'm putting glad bags and sandwiches, glad bags everywhere. And I'm just one motherfucker and I'm putting out 200 glad bags, you know? (laughs) And if you have a kid, diapers forever, dude, diapers, you know? And these are all these people doing this. So I don't know. There's a lot of trippy stuff going on. Uh, oh, yeah. But and as much as I've been meditating and stuff, have you watched this documentary, uh, Wild Country? Oh, uh, I haven't, but I've heard of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I It's pretty dark, and it's, uh, it's about a cult. It's about this do- Dalai Lama-type person who was kind of against minimalism, you know, it was just, it's just mind control. And they did meditate and yoga and they had free sex and everybody was, uh, you know, screwing and all this stuff. And, uh, and they worshiped this one guy. Oh, that was the thing about Lao Tzu. If you give one person, if you worship one person or even look up to somebody, you get less power. I, I was just listening to something earlier today. I've been meditating with a an Oprah and Deepak Chopra program for the past week or so. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. just like a, a, some free free tracks they're giving out and uh, their new mixtape, the Oprah Chopra. And uh, they one of the things that I think Deepak said today to me, uh, and only me, nobody else, he said uh, something like, if you like you i mean this is like a message that so many like this is the the truth that everyone you you whoever you are uh have the capacity to you know know what is right for you to know what choices to make to know what the best path is like you can like read what other people have written and listen to other people but if you have uh it can't be one-sided like if you join a cult you don't know that you're joining a cult but if you if you put everything if you give all the power to one person who's like i have the answers you don't have the answers so listen to me for the answers because i have them and you don't all the wisest people that i've ever heard say something like 
you have the answers like listen to yourself like listen to the the truth of you know at the core of most religions most faith traditions most spirituality is some version of you know the things that are good are compassion and uh and forgiveness and self-love and love of others and kindness and listening to others and being there for others and different people need different pieces of this advice at the same time like the buddha gave conflicting advice and people are like why did he do that it's like well if you just breathed in the advice is exhale if you've just breathed out the advice is inhale like you can't just be inhaling all of the time you can't there's no one piece of advice for always so you always get to you're the only one who can determine where you are what point of the path that you're on whose advice is valuable and you're the ultimate arbiter of what you you know which way you face which direction you walk what what lessons you value and what you do and nobody's been at this point before you know this is a new point yeah it's always new so yeah i think you have to listen to the bible and you or whatever you need to listen to or read whatever you need to read to get through, but at the same time, you gotta like make the decisions on the fly a little bit, or you know, test the vibes, as I say. You know, you're I don't know, I don't know what I say, but yeah, I think no, lately that's, it's that's... like you and I haven't ever been here before, you know, or maybe we have, or maybe not. But I don't think you know we're at a point like the, my new thing is just like this is rea- this is it, you know, this moment is it, and I don't oh, know what yeah. the past happened, but I can't I can't change that, and I can't. The future, I have no idea what that is all about. So the only thing you, the only real truth is this moment and you have to make a decision within this moment. And that's, yeah. so when you do kind of blanket statements, it's a little odd, but I'll, I'm bringing this all back to AKA, your album. Oh, thank and, you. And uh, your album, I've listened to parts of it and I've always, you've always kind of, always uh, are questioning not religion, but spirituality. You're 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 always analyzing and mulling these things over, as I think everybody is. But coming from your point of view, and uh, you you take on Christianity a little bit, but you also t- but you come from New Jersey. You're Jewish. You're from New Jersey, <laughs> and you talk about this track in Alabama, and these two dudes come up to you. So I listen to that, and then there's a Nickelback, and then even on your album cover, it, it almost has a Jesusy type of vibe to it. Is that well, I, am I going? Am I am I talking out of pocket? Oh no, you are. You're in the pocket. First, uh, I I will just to button the the previous uh, component before you so naturally and organically and beautifully segued. And I'm sorry to extract us for one moment before I plunge back in. Work. But uh, just the, the a thing that I love about like I I did grow up Jewish uh, culturally at least uh, for shorthand. And I've engaged with Buddhism in a way that I've read a lot about it, and I've taken some uh, classes. I have some friends who teach it, and uh, so I've, I wouldn't say that I like I am a Buddhist necessarily, but I I love it. I I like. I think there's so much value in it. And one thing that I learned from a Buddhist friend is that like Buddhism, like the the there's no rules specifically. There's like if you want to learn the guidelines, or maybe there are rules, whatever they are, the the tenets of Buddhism, nobody's forcing them on you. If you want them, you can have them. You can look at them and you can test them for yourself. Like you said, test the vibe. That's a very Buddhist spirit. That's a very Buddhist sentiment uh, and a very like just reasonable like not not just Buddhism, but very like a good life habit. Don't just do something because someone said or because it's written. Do it because you learned it 
and then you tested it and you found it to be valuable, resonant, accurate, meaningful, and helpful to you. Be like, oh, don't just do it because, do it because you found it to be valuable. And so that is uh, where, where I've come from is... I, I would say that I used to be atheist identified and now a joke that I say is I'm like, why do we have to talk about it? And 100%. I, I did, I think that it's psychedelics were one of the major things that helped me uh, see that certainly like being down on the Bible. Like I used to have jokes that were like, you know, if Noah really had to take two animals of every kind on the ark, what about amoebas? Cause <laughs> they reproduce asexual. Did I just disprove the Bible? I'm like, I don't know who I'm arguing with in that joke. Yeah. yeah but, we've all done that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, I, of course, whether or not you know, there may be people who think the Bible is literally true. And that doesn't, that doesn't matter. What, what matters is how you treat people, how you live, how you move through the world. Like what, whatever you believe about like the afterlife or God or what you call God or whatever it is uh, like that's, I, I care mostly about where, you know, what, what am I doing? What am I doing that I can do to live my life the best in this life, in this reality that seems to exist, whether it's a simulation, whether it is a test, whether I'm a brain in a vat, whether any religion specifically is quote unquote, right. I believe, I mean, I think there's so much truth. Uh, there's, there is truth that so much of religion and spirituality has access to. So I think, I love, you know, like Jesus said valuable things. The Buddha said valuable things. Uh, the, the various people, I'm like, oh, what? Are, who are the famous Jews? And Moses, he probably said some valuable things, you know. And so in this, uh, on this record, in Rodney this hour. Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, like I, I definitely, I talk a little bit about my experiences with ayahuasca and feeling like, you know, we all are part of the universe. And so why not, if some people call the universe God, why not? Like it's some, we have names for things and the name doesn't determine what the thing is. We're just trying to make sense of what the things are. It seems like there is something. It seems like there's something. It seems like there's at least seeming of something, whether it's all an illusion or not, then there is an illusion. And if an illusion is a thing, then there is that and whether or not regardless of whether it is illusory it's like ramdas says i like ramdas a lot yeah, he's like i like some ramdas he says something like you know while we're in this incarnation while we are experiencing what seems to be this physical reality like then learn about it use it as school like like get what you can out of it and give what you can to it like picasso think i think said the first half of your life is dedicated to finding your gift or uh, and then the second half is dedicated to giving it away. And so that, again, breathing in and out, like taking in and then letting go, taking in and then providing and learning like, and then I, teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then it's all a constant, all a constant process of learning and teaching and continuing to share like the things that I experienced that I didn't have before. I'm like, oh, I found this. I learned this. Now I have this or I am this. And then continuing. I'm never done while we're alive. We're never done. We're still always learning and growing and shifting. And so, yeah, uh, I feel like this album, this hour is the first time that I would say that all of the jokes, all of the material is stuff that they're jokes that I care about, about things that I care about, where in the past, like, I always liked the jokes that I was telling at the time. They were always the best jokes that I could make. And now there's like, not only are they my, like, my favorite, it's my favorite hour that I've recorded, but it's it's because 
I didn't just put in every single joke I could think of. It was all jokes that like both served the message that like it's the the only hour that has like a really cohesive you know it's not like a narrative it's not a a one-person show uh though i did do it as a one-person show in edinburgh but it's it's a structured presentation uh of like the funniest ways that i could say these truest you know most me things that i could think of so yeah mike uh, you're one of the best joke writers out there maybe of all time i mean you just huh. crank it out and i would say yeah I did listen to it, I, and I've known your style for a while. And I will say, yeah, going back to our earlier conversation, is that on this album, you do let it breathe. You do a lot more than you used to. It used to be used to have a joke about how it was just full-on Tetris. Like, it was just yes. fucking joke math <laughs> and just coming at you at a very high caliber, much like Mitch Hedberg, much like Rodney Dangerfield. Um and at a serious clip and this one you do are taking a step back and you're letting it breathe and you're dealing with these concepts and uh yeah i and i never listened to stand-up I'm, i i just don't like listening to it but i listened to yours and i thought it was awesome and i listened to like three or four tracks uh that i had time for and i was like oh this this is good and i've, I've seen your act i know exactly that you're funny and cool and you're one of my favorites but uh one just to circle back it's something that i've been just going over in my head and so I tweeted it out and it's a lot I think you might be able to get onto this but the more you talk about comedy and God the you kind of take out the fun part of it uh yeah I can definitely get onto this like the when you talk in... about comedy it's not funny like if you're <laughs> dissecting funny it's never that funny funny is just blah blah you know it's slipping on the piano it's on the on the, uh, the banana peel you know it's the <laughs> fart it's the or the goofy walk or the silly thing like that's it and the same thing with spirituality is like the deeper and deeper again and i saw wild country and they're all meditating and fucking and trip and, and all this like you almost by going so hard and talking about it it's just right now you know it's just you, yeah, you can I, kind of it, it, once you kind of let go of all that, it's almost like you can work. I don't know. That's my new that's my new kind of thing that I've been trying to open my mind up to a little bit. Oh, it! I I hear it. I like it. And I will add this that I I think that there's a, a rabbi friend of mine who he's he's also teaches Buddhist meditation and he's like uh, he's super smart and cool. And uh, he wrote. Uh, he wrote a book of poetry that I really like called Is, and he told me this one on, a, on one of my podcasts once. He said, I think, he's a rabbi, and he said, I think God does not exist. God is existence. And, like, again, it's words that are poetically endeavoring to capture something about how words can't capture this thing. Like, when you're meditating, you're doing the thing. When you're in the comedic flow, you're doing the thing. Or the musical flow. You're, like, it is the thing. Like, talking about music needn't be music. Oh, I mean, it could be like, we're talking about music. Like, now we are. You can use the language of the thing to talk about the thing. Like, I do, I have some comedy about comedy 
comedy, but most talking about comedy is not comedy, and most talking about God is not God. Like, uh, my yeah. friend Ramin Nazer is a wonderful artist and comedian, and just the other day had a thing on Instagram that w- had a guy, uh, like sort of a psychedelic-y looking background, and just a guy on a colorful landscape with a picketing sign, and I think the sign basically said, be good, and the guy was like, all right, I've done my job, you know, like... Saying to do it isn't doing it. The slogan isn't the action. Like the like God, whether God is for whatever, whatever you want to believe, whatever, however it means to you. To me, God is love and art and connection and, and friendship. Action, I always think about like, you know, you can look up to this super preacher, even a rabbi or the super churches or whatever. But where I see God is like it happens like when somebody's you know, blew out a tire on some weird road and then some handyman for no reason, who's probably an asshole, just pulls over and helps the, you know, fixes the tire. Yeah, God is love. That, you know, that, 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 that moment, that's the moment up here. And we got to do this and we're going to turn it into all that and talking about it's like, no, it's in the moment. Uh, I don't know, but that's that's something I always think about because I don't do that enough. Like I knew need to do more of like, you know, helping people just for the sake of helping people, you know. Oh, yeah. I here's a, an analogy. I, I just finished uh, a Thor comic by Jason Aaron. It's fantastic. I love that guy's writing. Yeah, and, Thor is uh, trippy. And yeah, and there's a thing that this isn't even from it, but it reminded me that like lightning comes from the sky. But also I read a long time ago that it also comes up from the earth some to meet it. And we have this idea of God as in the sky, but also God is in the person stopping to help. The God is in in yourself in like, especially if God is everywhere, then God is, is all of us. Then God is everything that you do. And especially all the caring, loving things that you do, like stopping to help a stranger or saying a nice thing or holding a door open or donating to a charity or you know amplifying whatever voices can be helpful in these times when we don't have all the answers helping people find the answers helping each other do something and can i tell you this is uh one of the funniest uh sacred experiences that i've had um so I I think I've talked to you about I do ayahuasca ceremonies sometimes. Yeah. And I didn't realize initially that the guide, the guy who is administering uh, the substance, and then uh, he is throughout the, the multi-hour experience, like ch- uh, chanting these sort of mantras called Icaros. And so he is like singing and you're like following along. You're like riding on these, these sounds. Vibrations, uh, in- yeah into yourself and in you know finding where you are like a, he calls it like a a global like like, like, like a, a gps like, like a person it helps you figure out where you are and you know what you need on your path and then at the very end of every of every ceremony that i've done with him he'll say something very specific like uh full of gratitude that is he says uh well well dear sisters and brothers we we are in the finish of our meeting for tonight he is from Peru, so I'm I'm not trying to do a full-on accent, but I love the way he sounds. So he says, uh, one more time, I like to give thanks to uh, Mother Ayahuasca, for she gives teachings and medicine. One more time, I like to give thanks to uh, Mother Earth, for she gives food, home, path, and work. One more time, like always, I like to say thanks to the creator 
of the heaven and the earth in the freedom way, love, for is our true master. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming here and making possible this meeting with ayahuasca like a meditation. And so every time he says almost those exact words are definitely that concept, that spirit of gratitude. And one time, right after he got to that, thank you so much for coming. Then a sound came out from his his phone and it went the Looney Tunes. That's all, folks. And... At first, it just sounded like somebody's phone going off in the moment accidentally. But then when it became clear what it was, that it was the that's all, folks, it was the funniest moment that I had ever experienced in that moment. I was like, how did he do that? Like, because for a comedian to be funny on stage is one thing. And then for a person who's not a comedian to be funny in this sacred space, we had all just come out of, and maybe we're still experiencing this psychedelic visionary experience. And then it, it just uplifted and you know, whether or not it affects whether or not you quote unquote had to be there, had to be here, had to be everywhere. It was just an example. I started thinking of it because you, you know, when talking about comedy about God, like this was like a God, experience a spiritual experience that then became like I breathed in the spirituality and then he breathed comedy out into everyone like and so I think that as long as you don't go too far into any one direction like as long as you have your I read in a Buddhist thing your head in the clouds and your feet on the ground it's like comedy can be on the ground and like you know spirituality can be in the sky or they can switch but like it's all everything you're you know Casey we're matter Casey and energy to say that too yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, old DJ from the 80s but yeah you gotta uh, that 100% man thank you for sharing this sh story uh, oh, thank that's you all for listening. folks I don't know if we can top that man <laughs> uh, but uh, congrats on the album and uh, and uh, check it out everybody uh, yeah we're right at an hour so maybe we'll just wrap oh. it up did you drink any coffee today just uh, there might be some coffee heads or are you on tea we don't mind tea Luke I'm on water. tea. I don't know if you can see. This says, uh, go ahead, make my tea is the <laughs> mug I'm drinking out of. So I'm more, I sometimes, I drank yerba Which mate. is a dirty <laughs> Harry from the movie Dirty Harry. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 100%. And on this, it's like a little hippopotamus of some kind for no reason. But uh, yeah, I my girlfriend drinks yerba mate and I drank too much of it a, a week ago and stayed up 27 hours. So I... I'm generally the same way. I'm not a, a pot all the time guy. I'm not a caffeine all the time guy. So when I do it, it does me. Is it a black tea? What kind of tea is it? You're I've seen it. It has matine, which is like a, I don't know if it's exactly caffeine, but it's a kind of caffeine like thing, at least if not caffeine. And it's, I think more of a green tea, but at, yeah. if I, I drank enough of it, that it, it, fires uh, you it did its thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's amazing. The, one other one other question what do you think about guns oh uh i'm uh i'm i'm generally speaking personally i don't have any and Maybe, i'm happy yeah. that way the on the album i do have a couple a track or two about uh visiting performing in places with them and my basically i i know that i don't have all of the answers like yeah. i do think that 
if there were no, like, there was a time in the world there were no guns, and there was still fighting and violence. Like, you know, before the nuclear bomb, there were at least no nuclear explosions, you know. Before the gun, before the automatic weapon, there were no mass shootings on the scale that they exist. So... I certainly think that there could be fewer, there could be, because I think the idea that people have them for protection, I understand that, but even like uh, governmentally, our country sometimes is like on the large scale, like that country's gonna, we gotta get them before they get us. Like, what if they're about to get us? We should get them first. And if everyone thinks that, like the scene in The Dark Knight, did you see The Dark Knight? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've seen where, them all. They all kind of blend. But So there's a scene where there's two boats, one with all the prisoners, with all the criminals, and then one boat with all people who are not prisoners and criminals. And then the Joker has made it so they each could explode the other person's boat. And he he wants to prove that, you know, hum- there's no faith in humanity that they'll both explode each other's boats. But... Uh, I don't want to spoil the movie too much. It's a very old movie. Pause Spoiler. now and go watch the movie. But uh, they they all agree to not explode each other's boats, and that's if we all agree. This is one of kind of one of the messages in a lot of the jokes on the album that if like if we just take a second and relax and be like, if somebody is attacking you, I understand wanting to defend yourself. But if somebody is not, then jumping to they might. Is uh is a thing that might head everyone down a path towards like oh they might they might they might yeah. they might and it it could just go spiral out of control like like a virus yeah like a yeah yeah it's it, you're a hundred percent right like there's a part of me that hates guns and I don't understand it because I understand death just because my dad died when I was ten just early on I just found out life was very quick and. You know, when we get caught up in the super ego and, and but then at the same time, you know, I, I grew up in D.C. and I know things can get dangerous and shit can pop off. And if if you're in a place of being powerlessness, uh, yeah, and you got to survive and you got a family, then you might have to use a gun. You might have to use a weapon. Um, and, and then also you you hear about so many soldiers who come back from being at war, having killed people in situations that maybe they were at the time felt completely justified and still they've taken a life. They've ended somebody's life, whether they were innocent or whatever that means less. And like it was just a person like them, probably yeah, who was hard, doing the boy. same thing. Yeah. And it causes such, you know, like PTSD and mental Trauma, yeah, you gotta, and, yeah. Uh, and so it's, there's there's no one answer to, like, it's that's why I think it's important to not have one answer to the question of, like, gu- guns, yeah, yes or no. That like, whole blanket I, thing, yeah, that whole blanket I, thing, it does, it does, you gotta just judge it for yourself, and that's why judging, you gotta just judge it for yourself. But the other concept I struggle, or just try to get my head around, because I did, I was uh, raised Methodist, and I do know that you know Christianity. And the thing about Christianity that trips me out, that I kind of that, and it kind of goes into psychedelics, is the concept of turning the other cheek, mm. which is the most hardcore pacifist move. Oh yeah, I mean, and w- with what? Yeah, from a literal mind, it doesn't make sense, but from a mind of that's been opened and a heart that's been opened. It's like, 
you know? It really, well, if I can say with what you just shared about your father and the experience that you had, like you couldn't help but lose that person. Like that might make a person bitter. It might make a person angry and it might make a person be like, I don't like that, you know, Batman uh, lost his parents. He's like, I'm going to stop everybody. You know, he's not going to kill people, but uh, not to, to bring it back to reality. Like there are people he who died get, in you his know, sleep, you, get... you know, the only problem he was driving a car at the time. <laughs> Got it. It's an old joke. Uh, oh, I had yeah, to yeah. put it in there. But no, he <laughs> fell asleep in his car. Fell asleep in his car, ran off the road and died when I was 10. I saw him that morning and then I saw the cops come an hour later with my mom. Wow. And so, yeah, it, no, it didn't make me bitter. It maybe made me a comedian and maybe who knows what's behind door number three. But it did make me understand that life is a flick of a switch. You know, it, it, it's just like... Boom, and then why rush it? <laughs> the whole gun thing is just like, why are you why are you surrounding yourself with machine guns and all this stuff and you know loading up? I just see all these militia people and the alt right, and I'm just like, dude. And I know a lot of them have a Christian background. It's like, and you shouldn't worship the person. You got to understand that turning the other cheek is the most ultimate. We are one. You know, it's the most like. No Love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah. No, it's like, no, motherfucker. You know how sacred this is. You're going to shoot me? Okay, shoot me again. See it again. You know, yeah. you're killing yourself. <laughs> you're killing yourself over and over again. So yeah. it's like, uh, that's... But at the same time, yeah, I don't think it is for everything, you know, because there's a time... I do think, you know, like that old hippie, there's a time for this, there's a time for that, you know, and there's a time you might need a gun. It's, I understand, it's, it's sort of, I, this is an analogy that I don't know if I'll stand by, but like in, in stand-up, sometimes, you know, you have your act, but then sometimes the most fun thing you can do is like riff and not even need your act. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't, your act is for, for defense. Like, I just, I have it, but I'm not going to use it. Like, and so, you know, if you have a gun, you're like, I, I hope I never have to use it. I hope most people, yeah. but uh, sometimes you get one and you want to use it. And so I'm happy to not, like, I don't have video game systems because I think I'd play them too much. Like, Same. I don't have a gun because, uh, I mean, for a lot of reasons. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want them. I don't want to use them. I don't want to get into it. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather be murdered than murder, you know? Yeah, like, like, I'd rather, and we ne you never know. You never know what's wow, going on Wow, that's a heavy inside. thought. Yeah. That's a yeah. heavy thought. And oh, I've that's, never that's... thought of it that way. You're uh, right. Well, Listen to the rest of the album and you'll you'll hear a little more about it. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're well over an hour. So oh, let's cut yeah. it right now. I think we, we, we went in and out of everything you could get in and out of. And I appreciate it. Thank you, time. my man. Uh, a real a real pleasure as always. Oh, uh, you're the man, Mike. Thank you. Good luck with the okay. album. Thank you, man. Cuatro.